Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. On this episode, the Soil Conservation Council of Canada is the face and voice of soil conservation and health in Canada. It works with the value chain to advocate for government and industry, promotes the benefit of improved soils, and demonstrates best management practices to achieve healthier soils across the agricultural landscape. Executive Director Jim Tokarczuk will share the work of the Council, and he'll also explain one of the efforts to raise public awareness through the Soil Your Undies program. Art Lang is an independent farm business consultant based near Edmonton. Art has worked in many areas of the agriculture and food industry in Alberta and B.C. for almost 40 years. He has experience in everything from the farm machinery industry, feed industry, inspection work with the federal government, living and working on a hog farm, selling veterinary medicines for a multinational drug company, and worked 20 years for Alberta Agriculture. Art took all of those experiences and created his own consulting business called AJL Consulting. He's going to talk about his experience creating business plans for farm operations and share some of the the do's and don'ts of getting this important document together and why every farm should have one. After the break, Jim Tokarczuk. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Jim Tokarczuk is the executive director of the Soil Conservation Association of Canada. And Jim, we're, we've got a lot of things to cover today, but and and I want to talk about the Soil Your Undies program. But uh, first, uh, tell us about the work your organization does. Well, we're a we're a nonprofit organization that works across Canada, uh, and uh, the main thing in our um, in our, uh, our our portfolio is trying to um, represent the views of farmers in Canada in the area of soil conservation and soil health. So we are a national organization. Most of our members are farmers, um, and uh, we try to we try to make sure that we're we're um, helping people to make practical decisions in you know what they do on their land and what scientists do in research and what decision makers do in policies and, and in, in public life. So what role does your group play in promoting the protection and improvement of soils specifically as it relates to agriculture? Yeah, we do we do a whole bunch of things. We um we're a very small organization, but we have a we have a network of partners um in in um all provinces of Canada um where we try to help them uh, in uh, in developing programs and approaches that that they deliver to farmers, and at the other end, we try to make sure that um, the right uh, the right policy and funding uh, is in place, or at least we advise uh, and try to inform politicians on on uh, how they can how they can help farmers in conserving soil. We do a bunch of other things too, and, and probably the some of the most important work we're doing now. Um, Alice is uh, in growing the awareness of why soil is important, not just to farmers, but to all Canadians. And from that comes comes a lot of good things that we can we can link to down the road. But uh, soil is getting more attention from people because I think um, some of the the benefits that it brings in terms of uh, climate change, 
water quality, air quality, are becoming more known. A lot of people know that soil produces food. Um, and so that's that's an easy sell. But to, um, to, pay, to help people recognize that whether you live in the city or out in the country, that you're every day reliant on the quality of, uh, of our soil in Canada for your, your welfare and lifestyle is a, is a much more difficult sell. And so uh, I think we've been, we've been able to make some progress through some programs and, and things that we do <clears throat> throughout the year and through the work that our partners do and with the work of other, other organizations in the business that uh, have brought um, soil to the, to the conversation table across Canada. So it's a really exciting time to be in our field. It's really important that uh, we as Canadians understand the importance of soil, especially the non-farming community, but maybe talk a little bit about the importance of the world knowing what our conservation efforts are. Canada has a historically has a, a very good reputation as being uh, a country that produces um, uh, clean, safe, uh, um, sustainable um, foods that are exported across the world. But that market's getting more and more competitive all the time. And so one of the, one of the advantages we have in that market is our reputation and our ability to, to uh, grow food that is safe and, and, and um, reliably done in a, in a sustainable way. And so part of, part of what we, uh, um, we want to do is make sure that we're not just talking the talk, that we're, uh, we're, we're walking the talk as well, that, that we, we can um, provide advice and technology and science that supports that sustainable food production and that clean product that we're known for, um, but with, that we can also tell our story. Um, that we, we want to make sure that it's well known that, that Canadian pro- agricultural products are, are safe to, to eat and, done, and grown in a sustainable manner. And I'll just tip my hat to um, one of the, the partner organizations we work with, the, the Canadian Roundtable on Sustainable Crops, which is, is going through a, a whole process of, of documenting that and looking at um, practices and principles that, that farmers can uh, can adhere to to demonstrate that in the marketplace. There are a couple of efforts that I want you to talk about, and I'll, I guess I'll break it up into two sections. First of all, Senator Black's work to launch a major study to update the understanding of the state of Canada's soil resources. Tell us about that one. Yeah, we, we're very happy to see that the leadership um, in the Senate on that subject. And... Um, just to go back about 38 years, Senator Herb Sparrow from your province led an effort um, uh, to study the health of Canadian soils and came up with a number of recommendations, and one of them is the creation of the organization that I work for. Um, but it was really a, the last time that, that a, a real, you know, a full public examination of Canadian soil health was done and done in a, you know, there's been science uh, and reports from scientists in, in the interim, but it's the first, the last time the Canadians really got engaged in a, in presenting a national view of soil health. And I think the timing of uh, Senator Sparrow's initiative is, is really fortunate because, as we spoke about earlier, Alice, that Canadians are, are wonderfully interested in soil and soil health right now. And I think that. I think that the study that he's proposing <clears throat> will help to give us some guidance 
to make sure that we can sustain soil health, sustain those market aspects of soil health that you talked about afterwards, um, and make sure that we can continue to uh, provide the, uh, the provide for the growing demand for uh, food, fuel, and fiber on this planet in the next 50 years. The second project that we should talk about was Mario Tenuta and David Lobb at the University of Manitoba, along with other soil experts, are uh, hoping to produce an annual soil health report card that looks at the health of Canadian soils, why it's important to, I guess, keep track of these things. To keep track and to keep it in the public eye, I would add, too. Uh, we're really fortunate, our organization is really fortunate, fortunate to have partners like uh, like Dave and Mario and, and, and many others that I shouldn't even start naming that are in the science world across Canada. And so what we, um, uh, we've been working with uh, Dave and, and Mario in particular because we think it's really important to start to pay more attention to the progress we're making or where we're making mistakes, just as we do with our kids in school. We get, a, we get something from the teachers on a regular basis that says we're doing well here, we're not doing so well there. And that was really that sort of... Um, uh, that sort of discussion led to the idea of why don't we do this in terms of, of, a, of, a, of a report card. And so we, we sort of soft-launched that over the last couple of years. Um, and what our intention is is to, to grow this in terms of the, the, the range of input we get from informed, uh, informed observers of soil, soil health across the country to bring in a little bit more science, but not to make this a science document. This is, this is uh, intended as a... Um, an informal appraisal of, of soil health across the country every year. And so we have, we have two rounds of that under our belt now. And as I said, we're trying to grow the, trying to grow the number of people, the number of people like, like Dave and, and Mario and, and others that are involved in this across Canada so that we get a better, uh, a better and more robust and more credible picture of soil health every year. And I think if you do that, you know, if you don't if you don't measure your progress or your or don't note your mistakes to learn from them, you're just never going to get ahead. And it's really that simple. That's what we're trying to do: make sure that we we watch for changes, that we understand what those changes are, and we acknowledge them, and then we can move to correct them, and then evaluate them again. Slightly more fun note: Soil Conservation Week is celebrated every April, where Canadians are encouraged to soil their undies, which always gets a great laugh in the office when I when I do stories about this. Tell me about this program, how it works, and what you hope the participants will learn from the exercise. I, I love this program. I, I I think it's a really cheeky way to help people understand soils. So it's it's really. I'll just give you the the, the science side of it really quickly. Is that what what we uh, what we encourage people to do is um, to get um, white un, undyed, unprocessed cotton. Uh, Stanfield of Canada has been great in supplying us with product. <laughs> we've, been shipping, uh, we've been shipping men's undies across the country for a couple of years now, and so you basically you bury it at about uh, six inches deep in the any time now that you can get into the into the land when it's not frozen, and um, you mark it and come back in uh, six to eight weeks. And examine what's happened to the underwear in the, the cotton uh, in that period of time. And normally, in most of our soils that are healthy, you'll find when you dig it up, um, 
all that's left is the elastic and a couple of ragged pieces of cotton. But what's happened in there is that the life in the soil has been using that as a food source. Cotton is very high in carbon, and for all of the living organisms in our soil, that's like candy. So the, the, all those living organisms go after that cotton, digest it, process it, and take the energy out of the carbon. So the more degradation you see in that underwear in that six to eight weeks tells you something about the level of biological life in the soil. And just as a fun fact, a teaspoon of soil has more living organisms in it than all, all of the human population on the earth. So that's, there's a lot going on in there. So what we intend people to learn from that is, number one, soils are, are, are full of life. And they're reliant on that life to cycle nutrients and to build soil structure and to, to, to support plant growth. So soil is alive. There's stuff going on in there all the time. And then if, if we get a bad result, we can talk to people about, well, what do I do? I assume my undies are in there for six week, I, I, weeks. I could put them in the washer and wear them tomorrow. And we don't want that. Um, so we can talk about things like you can you, maybe you need to add nutrients, maybe you need to add um, an, another carbon source to make that soil healthy. Maybe you need to stop tilling it or grow a grow a green cover crop on that piece of land. Um, so it's like um, it's kind of like when the doctor takes your temperature; it doesn't tell him very much other than something's wrong, and then you start looking to see what what uh, 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 what you can do about it. So we. Uh, and the reason I think it's so much fun is that it 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 makes it makes kids happy. We've had a lot of schools that have, have done this, and, and they send us videos, and um, you know it, it does make them laugh. Um, and they, but they learn something, and, and it gives a place where, where teachers can use that platform to backtrack and say, well, why did this happen? What what went on with the cotton while it, while it was away in the field? And so it creates. It creates a teachable moment for our kids. For a lot of adults, it's uh, it's it's a reminder. I think many you know many adults that come from farming backgrounds, they kind of know this. But again, it starts that conversation. And um, and thanks to you people in the media because you you pick this up every year, and it's it is it is such a fun and easily digestible way to for us to help people get the message about soil health. It's fun. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not a negative. It's not a negative thing in any way. It's just a very pleasant way of, of us engaging people in in conversations about soil health. Soil is life. Yes. <laughs> I think there should be a T-shirt. Maybe we could get some Stanfield's underwear with that motto on it. Part of the process. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to talk to them about that, and I'll just I'll just add too, if I can. Um, sure. One of the things that one of the things we do on a fairly regular basis is we have summits on Canadian soil health, and we have one coming up in November, which we're going to do remote or remotely or online this year, and its its uh, theme is healthy soils, healthy planet. And that's a good T-shirt, too, so maybe we should get Stanfields to look at uh, doing that for us. I think that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Most of your members are farmers, so they're probably in the field doing what they do. So um, thank you for for stepping in and, and talking to me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Jim Tokarczuk is the Executive Director of the Soil Conservation Association of Canada. After the break, Art Lang with AJL Consulting shares the importance of a business plan for every farm. 
Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Art Lang is an independent farm business consultant based near Edmonton, Alberta. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about farm business plans. Maybe just getting into some of the um, ways that we can get that process started. So first of all, Art, probably the most obvious question, why is it important for every farm to have a business plan? Well, uh, the main reason why I promote farm business plans, it, br- it brings or it should bring the farm family together. In that room, the adults and even the older uh, children saying, a business plan is, should answer three questions. What's our history? Where are we now? And where do we want to be in two years, five years, ten years? And the important part in that, as I mentioned, is to get people together in a room around a table discussing that. And the most important part, of course, is where do we want to be? Where do we want to go? And as people get together, they, it's a team-building exercise. That means everybody has a voice at the table, all their ideas are inputted, and all the individual aspirations of the members of the family should be met to some degree. Not everybody is probably going to get everything they want, but the important thing is that everybody gets something, they feel they're part of the team, and then... Hopefully, that will encourage people to work together and make that plan happen. Uh, An old adage in team building is people will support what they help to build, and they'll resist what's forced upon them. I would imagine that when we get into situations with multi-generational farms, um, you're going to personally, you've probably dealt with situations where people seem to be on the same page and it just takes a little bit of tweaking to get the plan in place. But what happens when you have many people at the table and they're really coming at it from different directions? How do you handle that? The important thing is to get all the ideas and aspirations out on the table so people can hear from each other. Uh, Usually or sometimes that hasn't been done in the past, and I get comments like, oh, well, mom or dad, they just don't listen to me, and or on the other hand, the older generation saying, oh, the kids want to do new and crazy stuff, and I don't know why they want to do that. So... Yes, I can be a mediator sort of in that situation say, well, if you get a quarter section, let's say, to the son or daughter to say, okay, on that quarter section, you can grow whatever you want, and it's your responsibility to look after the input costs, all the care and maintenance of that crop, harvesting that crop, and then also selling that crop. So... Uh, that gives the next generation responsibility for a part of the farm, but it's not putting all the eggs in, the, in their one basket. How important is this plan when it comes to making purchases, whether it's well, land or machinery, you know, that, that type of thing? Uh, well, it's very important because if Dad wants a new combine and Mom, for example, wants a new kitchen and the kids want to go skiing at, uh, I don't know, where some exotic place, all those things should be laid on the table and say, well, we can't do 
all those three things this year. But if mom gets a new kitchen this year and we have a decent year, maybe dad can look at a new combine next year. And instead of going skiing at some exotic place, maybe we can just go skiing at a local ski hill for a few days or even to Jasper for a week. What would you say are, in your experience, uh, your past experience in, in this line of work, has been one of the most challenging situations that you've come across? Well, the most challenging situations I come across are when there's financial distress and the uh, farmers are forced into a certain situation, financially speaking, by the lenders and saying, okay, guys, uh, we're not going to finance you anymore. We're calling the loan uh, as of a certain date. And, yeah, basically we don't want to have anything more to do with you because it's just turned out to a, it turned into a financial disaster. And unfortunately, that's the downside of not <laughs> doing good farm business planning. On average, would you have any idea, Art, how many farm operations have a business plan? I've seen some studies about that, and of course, nobody can really get an accurate handle on that. But uh, I've seen studies, it's maybe 10 to 20 percent, and I think that's really optimistic. The, the sad part of it is, well, is that often there might have been discussions about the, the future of the farm, but it's never written down. And then you go a year later and say, well, I thought you were going to do that, and you were responsible for that. And, and so it's not definitive. And it, unless it's written down and it's reviewed on a regular basis, it's, it's really not a valuable plan. When uh, you're about to sit down with a farming operation to discuss some of these issues, how do people prepare for their first meeting with someone like you when you come to sit at the table with them? Well, I like to do it this way. I have an eight-page uh, work, uh, eight worksheet uh, thing that I like farmers to fill out before they come and see me. That gives me some background of their farm, their current financial situation as far as assets and liabilities. So when we come to the first meeting, I already have a mental picture of what this situation is all about, and we can, I can talk about this situation constructively. It's part of that uh, uh, preliminary write-up. Uh, I ask the people what their aspirations for their farm are in the future. So I, I have a picture of where they're at now and where they'd like to be, and then I can start making some suggestions on how to move forward in this situation. In all situations, I emphasize I will provide as many options as I think are available and viable, and it's the... Uh, farmer's choice as to what they choose to do. I, I can't make that choice for them because it's their farm and it's their responsibility and it's their option as to what they, they want to do to move that farm forward and then well, I will try to assist them in that way as much as I am possible to do. And in the case of financial distress, I just 
finished one over the winter was, was very serious distress situation. I developed a business plan. I passed it around to several new lenders, and after considerable work, I was able to find one that would take the the debt load on with certain conditions, of course, and uh, then allowed that farm to carry on with a new financial plan. Your company is AJL Consulting, and I want to emphasize the consulting, not the counseling. So when you get into a situation where there is a lot of friction in a farm operation, that must be very difficult if you're sitting down with the group that are already having problems communicating. How do you approach that? As the first thing I do, I collect background information uh, on the farm, like I mentioned, and I then have, would have some discussions with the principals, the, the, the main people involved in the farm. And uh, we would look at the financial situation, for example, uh, put some, develop some options for the future, and then share that with the, with the rest of the group. Uh, in many situations, really, the rest of the family isn't involved, isn't knowledgeable to where the financial situation of that farm really is because finances are usually kept pretty close to the chest by, uh, well, by everybody, older people in particular. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when farmers have financial distress, who wants to share that widely? Nobody. Yeah, absolutely. I guess maybe just in closing, Art, maybe just summarize why why it's important, why this business plan is important, and it doesn't matter the size of the operation. Not, not size matters, not, not at all. The important thing is, for me, is to get the family together, all the adults and responsible older children, get them together and decide, like I said, Let's look at our history, where are we at now, and where do we want to be. And that is the central hub, as far as I'm concerned, of what's important. It's getting this uh, team building together, trying to get everybody involved on the same page, and working and moving that farm together in the direction that the people involved want to go. It all starts with sitting down at the table getting people involved in the management of the farm at an early age. And I can't stress that enough because uh, I've heard from some young people say words to the effect, well, it's all work around here and no fun. And, who's, and it's whatever mom and dad say goes. So that's definitely not an ideal situation, especially when there's expectations of a succession plan. Art Lang is an independent farm business consultant based near Edmonton. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. AgriPod was brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.